This is Welcome to the Narthex, a weekly podcast from Langley Emanuel Christian Reformed Church. The Narthex is the gathering place between the sanctuary and the world outside. For the curious to journey in and for the disciple to journey out. Whether you're a member of our church family or just peeking in for the first time, we're here to continue the conversation, explore ideas, and build connections. No frills, just real talk about faith. Welcome to the Narthex, where faith meets real life, one conversation at a time. Hey everyone, thank you all for joining us today. My name is Kevin Lobert. I am the youth pastor at Langley Emanuel CRC Church, and I am here with two of my thespian friends. Uh, why don't you introduce yourselves, guys? Uh, I'm Joshua. I run the Young Adults. Min- I'm the Young Adults Ministry Coordinator here. And my name is Chris. I am the lead pastor here at Langley Emanuel, and I have never in my life been called a thespian before. Well, you are welcome. <laughs> uh, we are hanging out in the back corner of one of the warmest rooms in the church, recording this week's episode of Welcome to the Narthex, a podcast where we talk about God and faith. Uh, before we dig into it, though, gentlemen, what were you up to this weekend? Uh, this weekend, as with most weekends during the winter season, uh, my son had a soccer game, and I'm one of the assistant coaches for that. And so I was on the soccer pitch at uh, 9 o'clock on Saturday morning uh, in the drizzle and the cold weather. Uh, we had a blast. The boys won 5 nothing, so they did an excellent job. It was the best game of the year. Nice. Do you, like, wreck your legs when you're coaching? Like, how are the hamstrings feeling today? Uh, they feel fine. I feel okay. The boys are nine years old, so they're still pretty easy to keep up with. Nice. Josh, what were you up to this weekend? I went on a walk with a fellow member of Emmanuel here, which is nice. I do that every other Saturday. And then taught catechism with you, the Heidelberg version of catechism. The Heidelberg. (laughs) No, you uh, killed it as usual, Josh. Thank you for stepping in this weekend. We appreciate that. Uh, I just came back from Grand Rapids, so a chunk of my weekend was flying home. I got stuck in Dallas Friday night. Didn't catch my connection flight because my first flight was delayed so i got to see giant american flags as i drove past them in my shuttle and uh then i got to hang out with my family which was great nice real quick kevin uh what were you in grand rapids for ah yes so this trip was a connections trip it was basically a giant meet and greet with different professors and teachers at calvin seminary but also getting to know a bunch of the people in the denomination who are going to be helping me with the candidacy uh, process happening within the next year and a bit. So it was good to be out there. I've never been to Grand Rapids, never seen Calvin Sem before. Uh, And nice to meet some people and see uh, six other gentlemen who are in the same position I am uh, studying and working their way towards uh, ordination in the CRC church. Excellent. And I gather you also tasted some local flavors at Founders Brewery, which is a place I used to haunt regularly. Founders Brewery. It was... uh, (laughs) I don't want to say a game changer, but it was pretty awesome there, too. I mean, microbreweries in Grand Rapids, there's as many of them, if not more, than here in uh, the Fraser Valley. And there's a lot here in the Fraser Valley, too. So, Anyways, let's dig in. We are going to spend some time today looking at Romans 11, verses 33 to 36. Pastor Chris led us in a message this past Sunday on that chunk of text. Uh, If you weren't able to join us Sunday, this is a really good spot in the podcast to hit pause Open up your Bibles quick, uh, read Romans 11, verses 33 to 36 on your own, um, because we're going to delve into that a little bit. Chris, why don't you give us uh, a little bit more information and debrief and give us a, uh, paint a little bit of a picture about what your message was. 
Sure. So on Sunday, uh, we looked at Romans 11, 33 to 36, which is the last text in what many consider to be like the first half of Paul's letter to the Romans. Uh, and that's a, a topical distinction of first half to second half, not a length distinction, first half to second half. The first half of the book of Romans, Paul digs real deep into doctrine, and he outlines uh, in incredible detail uh, the sovereignty of God and the doctrines of depravity or election, uh, and he opens for us the majesty of who God is in theology. Uh, and then in chapter 12, a shift into the question, sort of, what does that mean for my life? What does that mean for how I show up in the world? And so not only, though, was this the end of this first chunk, like you said, the the final passage of this first half of Romans, it was also Romans 9 to 11 is a chunk on its own. Uh, and this text actually somewhat incredibly lands the plane, so to speak, in one of the most challenging three chapters of the Bible, right? Exactly. And so Romans 9 through 11 is uh, a real culmination and uh, a massive part of Paul's letter to the Romans that has been challenging for readers ever since it was first written. Um, And one of the amazing things is that Paul lands all of this theology in doxology. And so those are two words that we used on Sunday, theology and doxology. Theology is a word meaning study of God or the right words about who God is. Doxology is a word meaning the praise of God or the glory words of God. Uh, And good theology always ends in doxology. Which we've heard you say a few times from the pulpit over the years. That's right. And uh, as we finished this section in Romans, we took Paul's doxology and explored what that means for us uh, today and living today. And so the, the big idea for Sunday was, uh, since we are worshiping creatures, right worship, good doxology, means living into our purpose. And then I spent uh, a while going through four different points or four ideas coming out of Paul's doxology of what right worship includes. And so you we looked at all four different, or you, not all four, but you specifically named four different um, take-homes, applications, things that can come out of that um, message. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time digging down into a few of those as well. Um, Josh, before we dig into those things, anything uh, specifically stand out to you from that overview? Well, what's interesting is like people will often like when they're wrestling with this idea will think like that that seems odd that God would make creatures just to worship him as their like chief purpose because that seems kind of like petty or megalomania like it seems narcissistic but it's also if you read first Corinthians about how glory is passed on to the other person in your relationship this is also what God does within the Trinity the mem the Christ the Father and the Holy Spirit are all pray glorifying each other in everything they do. So it's it's because we are made in his image, we do what he does. Yep. And that's pass glory on to the other. And I think that's a really important point. And I think it's also really important to, to clarify that it would be narcissistic for anyone but God. Yes. But since God is God and he is maximally perfect, he is maximally beautiful, he is maximally worthy of praise and glory, it is only right and good that all creation praise him. 
Mm -hmm. And I think that, so that in my mind is a perfect segue because one of the things that stood out most to me from your your message on Sunday, Chris, was uh, I I think it was a you quote. I don't think you quoted anybody else necessarily, but you said something along the lines of if your God makes sense to you or if you are able to answer all of the questions about the God that you worship, then it's not God that we should, then it's not the God of the Bible. It's not the God of scriptures. It's not the true God throughout time because our God is so massive and un ununderstandable if that's a word uh, and that mm. that stands out to me yeah and so the the word in the text uh, right is unsearchable and unfathomable or beyond tracing out depending on the translation that that you read there um, and so yeah one of the aspects of right worship is embracing the mystery of who God is um, and one of the aspects of um, Christian living is embracing the fact that there are uh, that God's ways are not my ways, right? That the mind of the Lord is beyond comprehension, um, and I think we need to do a good job of um, allowing that to be true. Well, I think the three of us have, and and I mean mm-hmm. this when I say this, the three of us have the privilege of getting to have a lot of conversations with a lot of different people, and many of those conversations center around doubt or center around things that are complicated about God that people don't understand. And oftentimes people, at least when they meet with me, and I I don't want to assume, but I think I can assume when they meet with you, these doubts that people have, they become questions of faith, or they start to grind against what, what their faith in God actually is. But a text like this, or understanding it with this lens, shows that it's not a matter of us doubting God's existence when we have these questions. In fact, it actually proves how grand God is when we have these questions, because he is so unfathomable. Yeah, and the the proper response to the unfathomableness of God is not passivity and not like, oh, okay, well, like, I'll never understand, so it's, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. It's, it's, it's a, there's a paradoxical nature to it in that you should seek him out because of it, because in the same way that when you learn you start to know what you don't know and it increases as your sphere of knowledge grows your sphere of what you don't know your awareness of what you don't know and the humility that comes from it grows and same with god the more you get to know him the more you get to know how unknowable he is so what you're saying is as your knowledge grows your actually awareness of how little you know also grows yes but then you can apply that to god as well which is why when paul gets into this highly complex idea that he doesn't understand, but he understands a little bit of it. He His brain breaks in that chapter that we're reading, and he goes, oh, the wonders and the mystery of God, because he doesn't, he's he's hitting that wall, but he's he, he keeps going. Which uh, is the first point that we made in the sermon on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Is that uh, right worship is exalting in who God is and in what God does. And so when you see even just a glimpse of who God is, when you begin to grasp just a glimpse of what God is doing, we exalt him. We come to him in praise and worship. And that Mm -hmm. also says, uh, helps us see that you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And isn't it just, this is a little bit of a sidebar, but like hear this thought process out here. Isn't it so comforting that to some degree, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, stands up at the end of this chapter 11 says, you know what? I don't get it either, but praise God, right? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that affirming? That should be so affirming for us listeners who who 
have these questions, have these doubts. Um, but we can also just throw up our arms and be like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But praise God. Well, and we made brief mention of this on Sunday as well, but that's the testimony of faithful believers from time immemorial, right? Mm -hmm. So Job has a similar circumstance. When Job tries to make sense of what God is doing, or when his friends come alongside him and open their mouths and try to rationalize his experience, uh, at the end, it doesn't work, and it doesn't come. And then God shows up, and he's like, were you there? Right? Were you there when I created the Leviathan? Were you there when I uh, spanned the oceans of the world? Were you there? Who are you? And the point there is for Job to go, yeah, who am I? Mm -hmm. Because again, right, not only does good theology lead to doxology, but understanding God leads to a better understanding of who we are. Right? This is a point that John Calvin made when he writes in the Institutes that the more we know about God, the more we learn about ourselves as humans. And the more we learn about ourselves as humans, the more we learn about God. Do you want to know a fascinating thing? As you were preaching, I actually missed the first, I think, 10 minutes of your sermon on Sunday. I watched it later again, so I caught it all. But I was in children's worship time where we were talking about that exact same thing. Uh, the text that the curriculum used was when Jesus asked the disciples, who am I? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, God. And it's it's the first, Jesus revealed that to the Samaritan woman at the well, but that was the first time that someone had acknowledged that. And that's when Jesus replied with, Peter, you will be the rock on which I build the church. And the whole concept was when we know Jesus more, we will discover more about who we are as well. And so I think it's very cool that as you're preaching that in the sanctuary to all of the old people, all of the young people, the little, little young people are hearing a very similar message uh, in children's worship time on Sunday too. Amen. Uh, yeah. Chris. You preach, and you get to go up there and do that. And Josh and I have had the privilege of doing that uh, as, as well. Um, but we're not, as we preach, we're not um, immune to having something not stick as well. So what's something, out of this sermon that you preached on something, what's something that stands out to you? What's a sticking point in your mind? So the, the third aspect of right worship that we looked at um, comes out of the text where Paul asks questions. Um, he asks, you know, who has known the mind of the Lord or who has given to God that he should repay him? Uh, Paul asks questions. And one of the things that, that stuck to me um, is the, uh, the parallel, and I'm saying parallel, not paradox intentionally, but the parallel between the idea that uh, God invites our questions and he calls us to, to bring those questions into an experience of him and yet, as we've been saying, there's things about God that will always be unknowable, unfathomable, that there's things about God that are um, ineffable, is the old language, means unspeakable, like we can't speak of their greatness. And at exactly the same time, this same God makes himself known through the scriptures. This God makes himself known through the incarnation of Jesus coming down and taking on flesh and the, the form of a human being. Is it fair to say then that God is both perfectly knowable and perfectly mysterious? I think that's probably fair in the sense that God is perfect uh, and the scriptures that God has made himself known by uh, through his inspiration and through the work of the Holy Spirit applying those truths, um, 
make him known to us in what we need for salvation. And so there's an old th- uh, theology word that maybe not many <laughs> listeners will know, but it's the perspicuity of Scripture. And that is the idea that because of God's inspiration, all that needs to be known for salvation is clear for us to know. Josh, quick, where does it say that in the Belgian Confession? No idea. Uh, <laughs> article 2 and Article 7 give you a good glimpse of that. There you go. I teach that part in our youth, so I threw Josh under the bus there. Well, the the image in my head whenever I think of how the, the mystery of God is placed inside an infinite thing called the Bible or the... The, in the same way, the, the the fullness of God is housed inside the flesh of a man named Jesus Christ, is the idea of, like, if you're a Doctor Who fan, the TARDIS, or um, uh, in Harry Potter, Hermione's bag, that is just this little tiny bag, but when you put your arm into it, it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. I'm going to let you keep going, Josh, but this is a you and Chris thing, so I'm going to just back <laughs> off while you keep going. Or, I was also going to say, in D&D, a bag of holding. Yes, yes. Um, it's the idea of, it's, the Bible is like a house that has a door that when you go inside the house, it's bigger on the inside than it looks on the out. And so when you read the Bible, it's just a thousand pages, but you will get thousands of years of knowledge that is un, it's, you cannot exhaust the Bible's knowledge. Yeah, I think that's, <laughs> I mean... I haven't read Harry Potter. I don't yeah. play D anD D, and I don't remember what the third thing you said was. <laughs> the TARDIS. The TARDIS. That doesn't sound like a good word. Um, but I think that's exactly it. I think if you want to put it in, in like boil it right down to layman's terms, like the 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 perspicuity of Scripture is just simply everything that we need to know about mm-hmm. salvation is easily understood within the Bible's pages, mm-hmm. and yet at the same time, the entirety of the Bible itself is not easily understood. That's right. Yep. So, And that would be a narrow view, correct, of the pre- uh, perspicuity of Scripture, the idea of like what we need to know is, is easily understood in the Bible, not the entire Bible correct. itself. Correct, yeah. And, and that's why you have um, millennia of you know theologians and mm-hmm. Christians uh, d- debating about the finer points. That's why Romans 9 through 11 is some of the most difficult in, in all of Scripture. And yet, what we can know about God and what is necessary for salvation is clearly made known on those pages. And I would say it's also worth wrestling with the harder stuff. Mm-hmm. It's worth digging deep into this because that's how we come to know God in a new and deeper and more comprehensive way. That's how we come to to trust in those times and spaces of life where it's not making sense. And we can't imagine how God is at work. We can know, but I do know that he is because he promised to never leave me or forsake me. And that's and that's why you used the word parallel at the beginning, which I think is brilliant, because this is not these things don't work in juxtaposition. These things don't clash with each other, but you can equally hold up both. You can equally hold up I can open the word of God, pray for the Holy Spirit to 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 be present with me as I open it and read it and know that I can take it as truth. And at the same time I can open up that word of God, pray all the same prayers, and I will come across stuff that I do not understand. And you can hold both of those up in unison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's what's so interesting about this is that this whole idea completely combats an idea that some people have about eternity and our place in our place in eternity, which is the the idea that people are like, "I'm going to get bored. I'm going to I'm going to run out of things to do." And it's no if 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 you can keep on searching and keep on 
realizing that there's more that you do not know. There's more to search. There's more to learn. It's a journey without a destination, just like eternity. It's, it, it allows us to be in the presence of God in rest without end. Uh, we were talking before we went live, Josh, and you just brought the word rest up. Um, when we talked about our, our sticking points or the things that, that uh, were made clear to us, um, could you talk more about that, about rest? Yeah. So um, at the Young Adults Retreat in Kelowna, we covered rest in the Bible and also rest here and now. And so rest in the Bible, we talked about how throughout the Bible, there are sections of the story, the, the Bible, you kind of go through periods where God creates the world, he brings judgment, orders everything, man is brought in right relationship with him, and then he rests. Um, and then man sins, God judges the world, God brings, orders everything properly again. And you see this with uh, the creation of the world, you see this with Noah's Ark, you see this with the... Um, the Exodus story and them being brought to the Mount Sinai. You see this with the the uh, creation of Israel and the temple with Solomon. You see this with them bringing brought back into the land to create the new temple after exile. So the pattern of mm -hmm. rest yeah. from creation to new creation is ingrained yeah. throughout God's scripture um, because it's something that we as human beings and creation itself mm -hmm. was created to experience in God. Yes. So how does that relate to worship? So rest is the proper place, the goal of mankind. It is the, like we said about worship, it is the, it is our purpose. It is our place. The worship is what we do when we are there at rest. And so when we are at rest, is, it is heaven, it is the temple, it is Christ. It is the place where man is in proper union with his God. Um, and we can't have rest when we don't have union. And that's what the Bible tells us, is that when we're separated from him in those other places, in the work, in the toil, in the struggle, we can't have that union. Now, I think it's possible, and I don't think this is intentional, mm -hmm. but it's possible to hear you say that and think, oh, rest is the end goal, mm -hmm. which will come when all is said and done. Aren't we commanded, though, to have rest in our day-to-day? -day? So then what does that look like? Yes. And so that was the second part, which is we, we know rest is the final destination. That's, the, that's the, the eternal day, the final new creation. And so when Jesus, and in the law you see this as well, God provides practices that are a glimpse of the rest here and now, but they're ultimately a foreshadow of what's to come. And so what those are is the Sabbath day, in the Old Testament, the seventh day, and in now in this Christian life, the first day of the week, because it's the new creation. It's not the seventh day we're waiting for, but it's the it's the day, the eternal first day. Um, we find it in church. We find it in the body of Christ, because if union with God is where we find rest, then it has to be with God, which is, if we are the body, then it has to be together. We, it's not an individual thing. It's a corporate thing. Uh, we find this in prayer. We, when we are in union with God, when we're actually talking with him, we find rest. When we're reading the word, when we're searching the unfathomable depths of his mind, we are at union with God. Um, and then ultimately, Christ. And so, and it all boils down to we're made in the image of God. We have to be like God. Since he worships 
and he glorifies within the Trinity. We glorify him. Since Christ prayed, we pray. Since Christ read the scriptures, we read the scriptures. We have to be holy like he is holy so that we can be in union with God. I think uh, that is a beautiful way of drawing together these massive sweeping themes Mm -hmm. of scripture. Um, And uh, just as in the letter to Hebrews, where we read that Christ is our Sabbath rest, like he is the fulfillment of that. Uh, Paul, in our text from Sunday, um, we see that Christ is the uh, exalted one, for whom, through whom, and by whom all things were created. And that's from Colossians, but there's a layering of words that are happening here that I believe drive us to experience Christ in that way. And so worship requires our humble submission, our resting, Mm -hmm. and it calls out of us an exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we find purpose and identity. It's like he knows what he's talking about. Praise Al- God. Almost, hey. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I just mean it's like it's like God has made this thing so perfect. <laughs> amen. Coming out of that, amen, which we learned on Sunday we should all be saying in church, by the way, a little bit more. So let's keep that in the back of our, our noggins for this coming Sunday. Um Gentlemen, let's let's uh, let's hit sort of three take home things we can take, both from this conversation that we've had, but also the sermon that we heard this past Sunday. Um, Chris, why don't you get us started? Uh, sure. I think one of the take-homes is um, always, always, always ask your questions. Always, always, always bring your doubts into the experience of worshiping God. Always, always, always come with the fullness of who you are. And so that includes your questions, your angers, that includes your joys and your celebrations, and expose that in worship to the fullness of who God is. Love it. Josh, what's Oof. another one? Um Worship is worship is not just our purpose; it's how we are like God. It's it's by worshiping we be, we are like Him. We're imaging our Creator. Nice. And I would say a third take home is that you can be confident when you open up the Bible and invite the Spirit to be with you as you read it. That you can trust what it says. Perhaps you won't understand all of it, but mm-hmm. you will be able to understand everything you need to know. Um, to both be saved and to know Christ more. We're going to take a moment here to go over some moments in mission, some things that have been going on in our church this past week. Uh, and so we're going to try to keep this to about a minute. Uh, and so start your t- start your timers. Uh, we haven't divvied this up, so we're just going to see how this goes. Um, start your timers right now. Chris, why don't you get us started with the first couple? Absolutely. And so uh, last week, we know that the GEMS group met, which is a a girls group um, for young girls in our congregation. They had their meeting on Thursday. And this coming week on Thursday, the cadets are meeting. And I believe it's this Thursday that they are starting the process of creating, building, crafting their cub cars, which will then culminate in a Fraser Valley cub car event and race. Everyone loves the cub cars. Josh, pick a couple. What else is going on? Um, The young adults just finished the First Corinthians Bible study we were doing on. We were doing. So now we're jumping into First we're jumping into the book of Colossians um, next, this coming Sunday, uh, and uh, Coffee Break is happening right now. That's true. 
This, pa- this past Sunday, we also had um, HCBC, which for those that are sitting at home, stands for Heidelberg Catechism, Belgic Confession. Josh uh, led the grade 9s and 10s through the Catechism. I hung out with the grade 11s and 12s and went through the Belgic Confession. Uh, and this coming Sunday, we have youth coffee at a member of our congregation's house, which is always a thrill. We've also, this past week, uh, the seniors' ministry met on last week Wednesday, and the men's ministry met on Thursday. And so things are abuzz at Langley Emanuel CRC. Josh, any final thoughts? Um, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Preach. Chris, final thoughts? Amen. (laughs) Nice. All right, so thank you for joining us today as we sign off today from the Narthex and we enter into everyday life once again. uh, We invite you to keep these conversations about faith going with the people around you. Let this be a little bit of of a model for you on how to do that. Uh, But we appreciate you joining us this week. On behalf of Chris and Josh, this is Kevin saying God bless and go in peace. We'll see you Sunday.